Join me as we skip to the end of a book. Not the ending of the story, but further in the back, almost by the back cover. The Acknowledgements. I've always been fascinated by the acknowledgements and find myself asking questions I wish I had the answers to. Are the people they thanked still in their lives? Do they regret not including someone? What's the meaning behind this inside joke or story? Well, now I finally get the answers to my questions. In this podcast, I'll talk to the authors and explore the acknowledgements. So flip to the back of the book with me and let's start there. I am so happy today to welcome Lee Kelly onto the acknowledgements. Hi, Lee. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I am glad to, and so excited to talk to you about you as a writer, as a person, and of course, about your latest book called With Regrets. And I love how it's described on the back of the book, so I want to read that. With Regrets from author Lee Kelly is equal parts Big Little Lies and Bird Box, a suburban drama wrapped in a 24-hour survival story at the end of the world. And it's funny, it's that, and I feel like so much more. So I'm looking forward to jumping into it. Thank you. And I would love for you to give a premise of the book as you see it. Yes, you touched on that. That's how we build it was that combination of Big Little Eyes and Bird Box. But the original idea was what would happen if various friends and frenemies gathered for a dinner party at their lifestyle influencer neighbor's house and they leave their children at home for the evening. And then a world altering apocalyptic event arrives at the front door. So the book takes place in 24 hours. It revolves around such a night. Four couples go over to a mansion. It's the town loner, the president of the PTA, a new mom struggling with postpartum, and then the town gossip. And when the news hits, it hits at the first courts. Everybody has to decide what they're going to do, given the increased stakes and that the kids aren't there. And it very much evolved out of my own sort of worry over such a night when I was once leaving my kids with a new babysitter. And I think this kind of fear haunts a lot of parents. And then I just spun it out into a genre blend see what happened. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. And and yes, it made me think about a lot of things from a perspective as a mother, as somebody within a suburban town, meeting up with other couples, and even those personas, which in some ways might have been exaggerated, but yes. just felt like, okay, I can kind of see this type of person. Like even there's a person who has this very strong social media persona. And I'm yes. like, okay, I know someone that's kind of like that, but then I know them in real life. And this is what they're like. So that yes. was a really interesting thing, the characters you built out. Oh, thank you. And and you touched on something where I, uh, caricatures is always such a loaded word. And I, I did not want to lean too much into caricatures, but at the same time, I did want to present these characters, how other people see them, right? They are the quote unquote town gossip. They are the influencer who only cares about her persona, but I'm hoping over the course of the story that they become more to each other and find real connection. And that's what I was striving for, for the book. And I feel like that's what I'm striving for in real life connections, right? You pierce the veil of these personas that we're giving to each other of having it all um, because nobody does, right? And COVID, I think, fractured that fiction for so many of us that we we just can't pretend in that way anymore. We do have to reach out and be honest with each other. You're seeing my house in Zoom, you know, because the world changed in such a way. But anyway, this is very much a COVID book, which is why I went there first. But, but yeah, I'm glad you saw that in the characters. I appreciate that. And when you say, Lee, that it's a COVID book, 
Is that based on what happened during COVID or because you wrote it during COVID? So that's a great question. I love that because it's both. I believe it or not, the dinner party that I'm talking about, that sort of was the impetus for this, where I went myself with my husband and we were leaving our kids at home with a new sitter. And that sort of sparked this idea. Believe it or not, that was 2019, the end of 2019. So I had this idea and I'm like, oh, this would be nuts. What if everybody's trapped in their homes? Can you imagine? And then I started to tease out this plot and COVID hit. And I was like, I don't know if I can write a locked box claustrophobic book right now. But at the same time, through living through COVID, I changed the idea a little bit and examined my own feelings about parenthood and community and connection and what risks do you go through when you're just raising a family in today's modern age? And how does a catastrophe compound that? And what kind of person do you become in that sort of situation? So it's both COVID informed me. COVID was the time that I wrote a lot of the book. And also I I do think it's hard to not say that this is some kind of reaction to COVID because it is a catastrophe that hits, that affects all families differently. And of course there's that locked box element that we all lived through (laughs) in 2020. That's at play in the book as well. That is so interesting that you had this idea for the book before COVID because I really would have thought it was after. I know it's very bizarre and, and my Agent, it's funny when I first sent her the the tease of the the, the book. I had the chapter to it was I think it was February 2020, and I still remember she was like, "Oh, Lee, it's starting to feel real out there. This is very uncanny." And then it was like, "Oh my God, we're literally on lockdown. This is so." I mean, everybody has their memories attached to that, but that is that was such a once in a lifetime. What is going on here? We we have entered a new reality. So yes, but it was pre. Which in a way is interesting because the occurrences that are happening in the world at the time of this dinner party seem unbelievable, right? In a way. Mm. But then if someone had told me about what's going to happen during COVID, I would have said, that's unbelievable. So in a way, I think it made it more like, oh yeah, this could happen. It's so so realistic. I know. And even there's a scene in the book is where they're talking through, oh, wait a minute. Is it contaminated air? Is it the mosquitoes? For a while now, these alerts just become part of our daily existence that I I co-write with with another author. And we had a release in June and for our book launch, no one could go outside because of the air contamination. Do you remember that in in the Jersey area? They just shut down all activities because you couldn't breathe outside. And it was like, oh, okay. Like it's just become part of our life that you just get these red alerts and you pivot a little bit and and we go about our daily lives. And I think COVID was the first time it was like, no, <laughs> we, you're, you're stopping. Life is coming to a halt. So anyway, yes, I, I very much wanted to explore that and what happens if you're not with your loved ones in that kind of situation. Because most of us, I think, took for granted that we were stuck in our homes with our loved ones, right? Yeah, um, yes. Yes. One of the things you say in your acknowledgments, actually towards the end, I I love it. What you said was, this story was a very different and difficult one for me. And there were many days where I assumed its final home might be my laptop. What what made it so different and difficult for you? I I think the, the COVID aspects for sure, which we've talked about, but I think I'm naturally attracted to these stories that sort of blend genres, right? Even our, the Mm -hmm. book that I wrote with Jennifer Thorne in June, it's Indiana Jones, but it's also this debutante romp. My last solo novel is a criminal magic, which is it's fantasy, but it's also crime drama. I tend to mesh two things together that maybe don't really 
it wouldn't be your first thought to be like dinner party meets the apocalypse. But because it hit me so viscerally that night that I was going out myself, I'm like, I do think there's something to this where friends are together at the end, uh, at this sort of cataclysmic event, or better yet, frenemies are together and what that does to relationships that already exist. And I really was fascinated by that, but I knew it would be difficult because that is two different genres and with every genre comes its own set of reader expectations. And how do you meet both of those sets of expectations and still keep the book streamlined enough to be zippy? So it was a struggle. It was a, a very challenging book to write and it had multiple iterations. And so I guess that's what I was trying to <laughs> encapsulate in a nutshell. And the acknowledgements is this book was a journey. It, it for sure was. What you're saying about mixing genres is interesting to me because I'm a person that reads across genres, mm -hmm. but a lot of people I know, I'd say the majority when we're talking about reading really do have their preference. Yes. And I hadn't thought about that before that as a writer where you're trying to meet now multiple expectations of like, all right, I read rom-coms is my part, or I read a thriller. So that's really interesting. It's it's wild because they say, don't write to a formula, don't write to, and I, I totally respect mm -hmm. that and agree. But I do think as a reader, you're a huge reader. So am I, you open a book, you, you just need to check certain boxes. You do, like you said, with a rom-com, there has to be that happily ever after in some form, or yeah. you're, it's a big disappointment, right? So yes, it was just two sets of expectations versus, yeah. versus the traditional the traditional one. So then what do you like to read? I'm with you. I like yeah. everything. I really do. I read across genres. And I think that's why I'm like, wouldn't it be fun to combine this one with this one? But again, that it can get tricky, right? Because where does that sit on the shelf? So genre blends, they're different beasts to tackle. But I would say the only category that I tend to not read is high fantasy, like very, very, okay. but that said, I loved Game of Thrones on television and I read the first book. So nothing's out too much is in. You should see these bookshelves. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure that you're the same way. <laughs> it's funny, but that's why when I've had even friends say, oh, I don't read that genre. I'm like, maybe you do. You just have to find the right book, right? I agree. Because in every genre, there's going to be something you connect to. Yes. So I'm all about giving every book a chance, every yes. genre a chance. I'm totally with you. Do you have a favorite? I, I'm just curious, or is it, are you very spread the love? Yeah, I am spread the love. I think the place where I'm trying to delve further into is definitely the nonfiction. Mm. I have a few kind of sciencey even related ones. Oh, so actually wonderful. I'm listening to a really interesting one and it's interesting coming after reading some of these thriller books because mm. it's called A Taste of Poison. I'm listening to the audiobook, and even like the subtitle is like 11 molecules that kill and the killers that used them or something along those lines. Oh, interesting. And yeah, it's really interesting. And it, it's funny because a lot of times in the book, he is using a quote from an Agatha Christie novel to show oh, that, love that she used some mm -hmm. real examples of how you'd use this drug to poison somebody and get away with it because yes. it's undetectable or whatever it might be. Oh, it's interesting very cool. seeing like yes. and fiction kind of merging together. So yes. I love and that I absolutely love that too. And it's funny not to, to go too much on a detour, but I just read Why Fish Don't Exist, which you might be interested in because it, it blends memoir 
and nonfiction. And I, I love when authors are, because that's the ultimate genre blend, right? Is pieces of memoir or nonfiction married with fiction. There's this other book, book called Festival Days that you can't tell, you don't know which stories are fiction and which are nonfiction. That kind love of it. stuff is, yes, it's so fascinating yeah. because it's breaking those boundaries that I think for a while, where does it sit on the shelf in the bookstore? And sometimes it yeah. is fun to blend that because it's a different reading experience. It's something unexpected. Yes. But it yeah. comes with and challenges. And it's funny reading sure. these stories of this husband that tried to kill his wife because he wanted a new younger wife or things like that. I'm like, yes. this feels like fiction. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting to think of how much is inspired. Yes. It's something that is a real thing. And then you build it into this story about based on imagination. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You've mentioned a few times your other book, one of your other books, The Antiquity Affair, which you wrote with the co-writer. So I have yes. to ask you, what was that experience like? How did it start? So it's funny. So yes, Jennifer Thorne is my co-writer and we actually have another one out in next September and we're cooking on an idea for a third. Jen reached out to me and I don't know what inkling she had, why we would sort of gel, but she was totally right. By the time I think we, we had done it like a Zoomer at the time, actually it was Skype. And we just realized that we spoke the same creative language. And I think that's so important. You do not have to have the same writing style. You don't even have to have the same plotting style, but you need to be looking for the same things, I think, in a story. You need that shorthand to go the distance. And then from there you build out, okay, this is how I work. This is how you work. But Jen said something because we had done all these events together for the Antiquity Affair that really resonated with me, which is you can't be precious about it. You, you can't have an ego when it comes to collaboration mm -hmm. uh, because it is not your baby. It is not her baby. It is our product here. It's both of us and the best kind of collaboration. You're not going to be able to see the seams, right? It's woven together in such a way where it is truly one product. And we've gotten some feedback on like that, which is like the best kind of feedback, because if the reader can't tell that it was two authors working together, I think that's, yeah. I think that's great. Right. Yeah. But you bring the two, you know, the nuances of your own two voices to the project, which hopefully adds something there too. But it's been a fantastic experience to, is the short answer. The long answer was really also giving. And, I mean, the fact that you're, you have another one coming. So it was obviously successful. It was, yes, it was a good yeah. experience. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then the, with the second one, it some of the speed bumps of learning each other's processes aren't there. So it, it's a little bit smoother. And then the next time it hopefully is smoother after that. But it's been yeah. a blast. And I think that's important too. It has to be fun. Yeah. So yes. All Love good it. things. Thank you. So and she's in the acknowledgments. Yes. Yes. Acknowledgements. <laughs> no, I'm saying, no, yes. So one of the things you say, I have a whole bunch where I was like, wait, wait, no. who are these people? So in a section you say, lots of love too to my SHC community, especially the Paddle Girls and my OKS Moms crew. You are the best support network a parent could ask for. Yes. All, and though I'm so grateful I didn't have to survive the horrific experiences in this book to find you all. So tell yes. me about those groups. So I think SHC is Short Hills, which is the town that I live in. And that community, I play and I poke fun at this sport in the book, Paddle, because it's such a... It, it, 
I don't want to say it has is the high school drama of a sports team, but I remember distinctly being on my softball team in high school and you worried about who started and who was paired with who and what, who played what position. And I fell out of competitive sports for like a very long time and then found this over COVID, which a lot of people found this sport, this winter sport over COVID because it was something that you could do outside. And it was just such a wonderful experience to, to have a team and to meet these ladies through something that we were all enjoying outside. Um, so it was very much a lifeline through that experience. And everybody's in the same boat. We all have kids roughly the same age, um, but it was something that we were all finding time to do for ourselves. And at that point, 2021, it just, it didn't feel like there was any time for yourself. So it was very much a positive experience for me. And then the Oak Knoll crew is, that's our school and our home up here in New Jersey. And I do think having that mom network where you are not putting on the masks, you are not, everything's fine. I'm right on top of that, Rose. Like I, that, that sort of vibe just doesn't exist with this crowd. And I think that is necessary. That was sort of the point of the book is you can't make a real connection if you're worried about how you appear in making that connection. You've got to be vulnerable. And I think we've lost the ability to show our vulnerability because we're so worried about having it all appearing to have it all together. So yes, they're my lifelines. They're my mom communities. I, I love that so much. It's bringing me back to, so Friday morning, I went on a walk with a friend and speaking of making friends as an adult, yes. right? That's most of the, yes. the women that I've met in my town because I met them through my kids. You got and it. And then that ends up not being a part of it anymore. You become, you have your own relationship. Yes. And going on a walk with this friend, it was funny because it was such an authentic conversation about here's all the really hard stuff going on. Yes. And I, I didn't think until later that I really appreciated being able to say, this is bananas. Being, for example, at that point, I was talking about being a working parent. I was like, crazy town. Yes. It's insane. You <laughs> never so, catch your breath. You never right. do. And I think what I'm starting to realize is when you're willing to say that out loud, you hear it back. But if you're yes. not willing to say it out loud, you never get that honest, I'm drowning. Are you drowning too? Okay, good. This is how adulthood looks. And that's at least for me, knowing I'm not alone is everything. And it's hard, I think, because we do deal, we trade in these. These are the highlights of my life here on Instagram. And that's not real. And that doesn't make me feel better and more grateful. It yeah, totally. And I think that's something along with having people that will speak that back to you and the yes. other women that I know. One thing that makes a difference for me too, and not feeling alone sometimes, is honestly a book like yours, because oh, you're funny. seeing these women having these really authentic experiences, even if they're not sharing them with each other in the beginning, and their struggles and challenges, and seeing that is so important. So I think especially one of the characters and her struggle with being a new mom and this mm. questioning of, shouldn't I like this? Shouldn't I mm. want to spend time with my baby and all of that and not being able to say those things out loud, mm -hmm. I think is so honest and authentic. And I think seeing those things in print as a mother also helps that feeling of knowing, not feeling alone in it. 
You just made my day. That was very much what I was, that's <laughs> what I was striving to do. You never know how it, it comes across, but yeah. thank you. Because that, that very much was, this is very much a, it's a mom's book. At one point it was like, I'm like, it's die hard with moms, but like <laughs> the, the mom part is more important to me. So I'm so grateful um, that resonated. And thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. Of course. It. Yes, of course. So now looking also at some other areas in your acknowledgements, one of the things you do is you thank your community of writers who make the author life so much more fun. And you actually, you had a, a list there of a few different oh, of these supporters. And I, I love what you say after you list them, you're all found family at its finest. And so tell me about how those groups of communities of writers has made a difference for you. Yes. And it's funny, I'm, I'm looking at this because acknowledgements are so wild, I think, because to me, they're like the most important part of the book, right? But they come months after the book is done, right? And so you very much don't want to leave anyone out. There's no Oscars acceptance speech for a book, but this is like the closest thing where you're like, thank you, thank you for supporting me for years. So I'm looking at this list right now, and these are the crews that have shepherded me through my writing journey, the freshman 15s and fearless 15ers that I actually debuted in, in 2015 with an, a, a young adult novel that was pushed into an adult imprint, but I kept that young adult crew. And Jennifer Thorne, my co-writer is actually from that group. And I'm, I'm actually working on another project with another woman from that crew. So that even though we met over 10 years ago at this point, because when you, you sign your deals and you find everybody, they're just so supportive. We've seen each other through ups and downs of publishing. Everybody's gone off in different directions, but you can still call on them anytime you're in town. And I just love that. Princeton Yardley Group is my local authors that I've done events with. Jenny Walsh, Addie Thorley, Victoria Shade. They're just, and Liz Alterman is a new and wonderful found friend in, in the area. And I think having that real life connection is super important. And then I did get my master's at VCFA and it's, which is Vermont College of Fine Arts. And it's a kind of a wild program. I don't know if you've heard of these low residency programs, but it's- Tell me more. Yeah, it's for, it's basically for, I think it's really for working parents or people who have full-time jobs and can't just yeah. go to an MFA program three mm -hmm. times a week. So what you yeah. do is you go to a location, in this case it was Vermont for like maybe eight days and you, you basically get a semester's worth of classes in eight days. It is 8 a.m. I would say to them about 10 p.m. and you're living in dorms. Like it's like community showers and you got a roommate and it is wild. And so those friendships were fast, immediate, and intense in the best way. And everybody has a class name. Mine was the Illiterati and they are fantastic and so funny. And they're just like, they are found family. Once you go through something like that, it's trial by fire. And I think uh, it's just such a supportive crew. I feel very blessed in terms of writing support and writing community. So no complaints there. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Even though it was eight days, I think when you go through any intense type of situation with other people, it just tightens those relationships. Yes. And to be fair, so we would do eight days, then you'd go home mm -hmm. and you work for months on your own, and then you go back for eight days. You come back. 
And okay. exactly. So we had, I think we, in, in person, we had three or four of those. And again, I'm, I'm such a broken record wow. with COVID, but COVID changed yeah. that. Then it was <laughs> online, but still we had that connection. So it was a wonderful experience. That's great. And I would love for you to share like a paragraph, passage, page that is especially meaningful for you. Oh, from thank with you. Thank you. And it's funny, we had talked about this earlier, but I was torn yeah. whether to give like a fun snarky <laughs> scene at the dinner because that's very much yeah. how it opens. But I, I think just because we have talked about motherhood and the characterization in the book, this paragraph just came out and I, I, very few of my passages aren't, they're touched and tweaked and reworked. And this was one that I just poured out and that was that, and it didn't change much. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read that one if that's okay. Yes, I would love that. Okay, great. And I'll try not to give anything away because it's deeper into the book. Mm, okay. <laughs> Liz is the main character. Liz swings the car around the Harris Chase circular drive. Biodefense, gas masks, contaminated air, a contagious pathogen, extraterrestrial, electrical, manufactured, climate fallout. It's terrifying because they don't know what the glimmer is. No one does. Maybe no one ever will. Liz has never felt it so palpably. Maybe there is no guiding goodwill force. Maybe each of them, all of them are expendable. A blink, just minicule specks on an evolving rock hurtling through space, far from in control of anything. But that still doesn't change that everything in her being pounds the same names, screams in the same direction, pleads for just one more day with Reed and Callie, one moment, even just a goodbye. So imperatively simple now. She presses the car into drive and steers past Mrs. Ford's abandoned Nissan, still parked near the walkway, and around the Harris Chase lush traffic island of birch trees and flower beds. I think I just pictured my own kids <laughs> not being with me during that scene. So yeah, hopefully that doesn't give anything away, but yes, yeah. thank you for you know, that. I, I'd love to hear even more about why you picked that one. As we had talked about, right, there's so many different things you could have spoken about. Why You said that one just came out. Why do you think that is? Because I think at the heart of this book, even though it is, it starts with these and, and snarky or, you know, um, uh, it, it starts with surface uh, intentionally. And I think I wanted to move these people where it's very easy to dismiss or they're the people at the dinner party that you're like, I can't stand her, but I couldn't get out of this. Like that kind of thing. I, I wanted it to move to an honest look at friendship and surviving motherhood together and not in this dismissive way of, oh, motherhood's something to just get through. But it's so hard. It's so meaningful. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done. My, my co-writer jokes, you die and you're reborn as a parent. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and so that passage speaks to uh, the real heart of the book, not the catty dinner scenes, even though that was so fun to write. But it really is a book about parenting and, and connection and remembering what's important through all the noise. And, and I think though, although that, that first half was very fun and even that snarkiness though was very real. I think oh, we, we see that right in those communities and friendships and groups and mom groups and all those other things, you see all of that fakeness or surface or judgment even. Yes. And you also see on the other side of it, when that transforms into real friendships and authenticity. So I, I think it in a way, so much of that was very real. 
I appreciate that. And it's funny. I think I'm on this kick and maybe it's just finding the the best in everyone, but I'm finding myself, my, my next book explores this too, finding what's lovable about people that maybe are not, because I, I do think we're all trying. I really honestly do. And I think maybe 10 years ago, I didn't have that empathy or, or benefit of the doubt for people. And now again, post COVID, I just, I, I find that we're trying and it's hard. <laughs> It just, and, yes. and the person that you meet who's bragging about where they vacationed, that's probably more about them than it is about you. Yeah. And if you sit down and cut through all of that, maybe there's a friend in there that maybe sounds cheesy, but that's how I'm approaching life these days for better or worse. I think we're both like all cheesy and emotional now about motherhood <laughs> and parenting and all of that. Yes. On a Monday morning, you got it. (laughs) Which will actually be significant because I was going to share. One thing I do as I'm reading and I'm like, oh, I love that line or I love that scene. I'll take a picture of it on my phone. So one of the ones I did, and it it is towards the end. And and since we're being cheesy and all, and it's um, two of the characters talking to each other. And one of the moms says to the other, listen, you're not guilty for missing something that's gone for bucking change. It's not a crime to miss how your life was before the baby, she says. It's too bad none of us ever want to show each other anything but having it all together. Yeah. And I think that just speaks so beautifully to everything we're talking about around parenting and motherhood and guilt and all of those things. And right. It's so true. And I still remember, I mean, my oldest now is 10 going on 11. And I still remember my good friend came back from one of those nursing circles, right? And she made a joke like, oh, I just take the bottles and rinse them. And then I use them again. And she said she killed the room. It was like the the amount of judgment. This was like a Brooklyn community. And she was like, you can't bring humor because everyone's so worried about uh, appearing like, you know, an A plus mom. There's no room for self-deprecation anymore. And that makes what is hard even harder, right? So Padma's story very much spoke to me because I remember living in those trenches. You just want to commiserate. It's not all perfect, regardless of the Instagram baby photos of everything looking gorgeous. It's it's hard. Thank you for reading that. I love that book to you. Thank you. Yeah. The, The way I describe it very often is, you know what? I am and always will be as a parent, a work in progress. Yes, I love that. Things are constantly always changing as the children change, as my life even changes, as even yes. I get to know myself better as a person, right? Yes, so. I love that. And, I and absolutely speaking love of that. parents, in your acknowledgments, you thank your parents and you say, I'm beyond blessed to have the support and endless love of my parents, who you share fostered my love in writing, reading, and life itself. Your joy and dedication to our family made me want to be a parent, and it's been the greatest gift. And I'd love to hear how your parents influenced that you starting as a writer. I don't know what's going on. I'm like tearing up having you read me. <laughs> oh, no. Here. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I think what I say this to my parents all the time, and again, it's, it, it is cheesy. I'm the oldest though. And I sometimes think because I know how difficult it is to be a parent, I'm like, you two did a great job. Like you really did. I look back and I, I know it's trial and error. Parenting is trial and error, but like yeah. I emerged wanting to be a parent and wanting to give my kids this 
more or less the same experience, which was not any, what fades is, oh, the trips to Disney World or what have you, but it's that support and enthusiasm for the person and this desire to, what are you into? Okay, then I'm into it. And my dad even brings that to my son. They talk about baseball because my son's into baseball and, and finding that connection and getting excited about somebody's passions. And they very much did that for me with writing. Again, I was the oldest kid. Neither one of them had that background, but they were willing to support me. I was, I got the notebooks and I was writing my stories at seven. And I remember doing this little book binding class at the local Y when I was eight. And I think it's important. You keep the love alive, you keep the dream alive. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm trying to Again, I think it's hard in this day and age where it's like, well, are you going to play soccer? Okay, then we got to get in travel. There's a pace of today that I think wasn't around maybe in the 90s in the same way. And I'm trying to remember that it's okay to have fun and it's okay to support and it's okay for them to have a different interest than the kid to the left and the right. And you'll we'll figure it out. Like you said, work in progress, right? The grace there in parenting is important. So I need to hear, I know you've got, you've already said a book coming out. I want to hear all about that. If you're able to share a little bit about what it's about and then whatever else you'll be working on. I'd love to hear all about that. What's next? Thank you. Okay. So Jen and my next book is called The Starlets. And it is very much another historical adventure, but it takes place in a different time. And it's a different kind of adventure. It is about two Hollywood starlets in the 1950s who venture to a film set. They're, I don't want to say enemies, but they're rivals. And they find themselves Mm -hmm. as co-stars on this picture. And something is going wrong, untoward on this set. And they eventually need to go on the run to to make things right. So we we pitched it as Evelyn Hugo meets like the blonde identity or the, the, which is in the vein of the born identity. So it's a thriller meets the Hollywood world, the glamorous world of the fifties. So that's been a ton of fun. We just turned that into our editor a couple of weeks ago. And then solo wise, as a follow-up to With Regrets, again, I I mentioned these people that are not necessarily the the most sympathetic. I'm centering around the reality TV world. And and, because I think it's a different way to examine these themes. And I find myself watching this footage of a show that maybe a decade ago, I did not have the kind of empathy I'm having now. And it, I, I don't know, I don't know why, but I, I think I want to explore that kind of space, maybe a thriller set in that space, but again, get to the heart of image and perfection and, and what authenticity means in today's uh, day and age. That's in, in that vein, beginning stages of brainstorming, but I'm excited about that. So yes, those are the two in the, in the hopper. Love it. So much fun to talk was with so you, nice Lee. talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was, and you literally uh, had me tearing up. I know. <laughs> It's just an emotional one for some reason, even though the book doesn't feel as emotional. It's in motherhood, right? Motherhood. But thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. You too. And I look forward to keeping up with you for what you've got coming up next, including the Starlets next year. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for getting curious about the acknowledgments. And remember to read from cover to cover. Check out the acknowledgments on Facebook, Instagram, or theacknowledgements.com. There you'll find more information on the books and authors that I talk about here.